pistachios are so good. Mmm, I think I'll have some tomato cherries next and... <gasps> it's... It's them! They're back! All of my listeners have come back! Oh, I might cry, but no, I can't. I have to... I have to do the podcast. Oh, wow! Hi! It's Nudie, and you are... Yes, you are listening to Reading Books with Nudie. Hi, everyone! Thanks for coming back to me. <laughs> Sorry, it's been so long, but you know, busy summer. How was your summer? I hope you had great fun. I really did. Alright, so this episode is full of new things. It's gonna be like five minutes of information, okay? First of all, a listener emailed me. That was like so exciting. It really made my day. This listener requested something that maybe some of you also would like. That's right, guys. We are bringing back... The jingles! How's that for new? I know I said, like, in the last episode that I wouldn't, but, you know, you guys asked, I answered. Speaking of new, I have already started my last year of secondary school. It's different in Spain, but you've probably already been at school for, like, two months. That's awesome. I'm taking Latin this year because I want to, and in the class, it's literally me, the teacher, and another classmate. It's really good. It's such a relief, especially after being with my 21 other classmates all day, every day. And I could go on a rant on how my electives aren't what I wanted and everything, but that's not what we're here for, right? Alright, let's get on with the story. Today we're going to be reading something different. Let me know if you want the Sherlock Holmes back, but for a back-to-school and podcasting episode, we're doing something a bit different. And I mean it. Email me, okay? So, guys... We're gonna keep going with the info. There's a lot of info in this episode, sorry. Oh, and you might hear my dog going up and down the stairs. That's because I'm in my dad's study recording today and not in the closet where I would usually be. Right. We're gonna have to add a different song and everything so we don't run out of of space. Right, so recently the podcast host that I was using, which is the website that I use to give up, like to, um... You know, I upload the episodes there, and the podcast host, which is a website, is in charge of sending them out to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, you know, all of that. So the one I was using was Spreaker, but its plan, its plan, like the uploading plan, had started to run out, so I had to find a new one. This was all done today, like the day I'm recording, like a few hours ago I was doing this. So I found a new one, it's called Anchor, it's from Spotify, and it works great. However... The episodes are all now stopped from the old podcast host, which means when I upload this episode, only Spotify and Apple Podcast listeners will get it. But don't worry, it's not forever, okay? It should be done in a week or so. In the meantime, you can search it up along, like, the podcast along with anchor.fm and it should pop up. And guess what this new podcast host can do? You can send me voice messages! As soon as you click on my podcast, on the link on Google or whatever uh, search um, engine you use, you'll see the title, art, and description, along with a button that says message. You need to create an account to send a message, but you can record yourself for up to one minute and I'll receive that in my email. It's literally so cool. Okay, let's get on with this, shall we? Quick note, this story that we're going to read today, because we're going to read a short story by the Brothers Grimm, it has mentions of killing some animals and plots for murder against the main character. I find it very well told and it's not really scary, 
But if you're young or you're a parent and with your kids, you might want to listen ahead and decide if you want to skip it or if it's okay with you. Okay? Second note. This story has old language, okay? Because it's the Brothers Grimm and the Brothers Grimm wrote fairy tales, okay? They wrote the Snow Queen and I think they wrote Rapunzel and Snow White, you know? Okay, so it's old language. So, for example, they use the verb smite. I think it's, it appears like two or three times, which it means to hit or kill. So I'll change those verbs for something more modern, so to speak. But I'm not changing any of the essence of the story, okay? We good on that? All right. You ready? Here we go. Oh, by the way, I do not know what voices I'm going to use. So it's a surprise for me as well. All right, here we go. Today we're reading The Brave Little Tailor by the Brothers Grimm. Let me just get comfortable. Look, I told you it was going to be five minutes of information. I nailed it. Man. Okay, I'm just... There we go. Comfortable. Okay, here we go. One summer's morning, a little tailor was sitting on his table by the window. He was in good spirits and sewed with all his might. Then came a peasant woman down the street crying, Good jams! Cheap! Good jams! Cheap! This rang pleasantly in the tailor's ears. He stretched his delicate head out the window and called, Come up here, dear woman. Here you will get rid of your goods. The woman came up the three steps to the tailor with her heavy basket, and he made her unpack all the pots for him. He inspected each one, lifted it up, put his nose to it, and at length said, The jam seems to me to be good. I'll buy a jar. The woman, who had hoped to sell far more jam, gave him what he wanted, but went away grumbling. Now this jam shall be blessed by God, cried the little tailor, and give me health and strength. So he brought the bread out of the cupboard, cut himself a piece right across the loaf, and spread the jam over it. This won't taste bitter, said he, but I will just finish the jacket before I take a bite. He laid the bread near him, sewed on, and in his joy made bigger and bigger stitches. In the meantime, the smell of the sweet jam rose to where the flies were sitting in great numbers, and they were attracted and descended on it in hosts. That means, like, a lot of them came down on the bread. Hey, who invited you? said the little tailor, and drove the unbidden guests away. The flies, however, understood no German. The brothers Grimm were German, okay? So the tailor is speaking German. And came back again in ever-increasing companies. The little tailor at last lost all patience and drew a piece of cloth from the hole under his work tables and saying, Wait and I will give it to you, struck it mercilessly on them. When he drew it away and counted, there lay before him no fewer than seven flies, dead and with legs stretched out. The tailor looked at the flies that he had killed and could not help admiring his own bravery. The whole town shall know of this. The little tailor cut, hastened to cut himself a belt, stitched it, and embroid on, embroidered on it large letters, seven dead at one stroke. "'What the town, the whole world shall hear of it!' he exclaimed, and his heart wagged with joy like a lamb's tail. The tailor put on the girdle and resolved to go forth into the world, because he thought his workshop was too small for his valor. Before he went away, he looked around the house to see if there was anything which he could take with him. However, he found nothing but an old cheese, and that he put in his pocket. In front of the door, he observed a bird which had caught itself in the thicket. It had to go into his pocket with the cheese. 
Now he took to the road boldly, and as he was light and nimble, he felt no tiredness. The road led him up a mountain, and when he had reached the highest point of it, there sat a powerful giant looking peacefully about him. The little tailor went bravely up, spoke to him, and said, "'Good day, comrade. So you are sitting there overlooking the widespread world. I am just on my way there and want to try my luck. How about you come with me?' The giant looked contemptuously at the tailor and said, "'You wretch, you miserable creature!' "'Oh, indeed,' answered the little tailor, and, and unbuttoned his coat, showing the giant the belt. "'There may you read what kind of a man I am,' the giant read, seven dead at one stroke, and thought that they had been men whom the tailor had killed, and began to feel a little respect for the tiny fellow. Nevertheless, he wished to try him first, and took a stone in his hand and squeezed it together so that water dropped out of it. Do that, said the giant, if you have strength. Is that all, said the tailor. That is child's play. He put his hand into his pocket, brought out the soft cheese, and pressed it until the liquid ran out of it. The giant did not know what to say and could not believe it of the little man. Then the giant picked up a stone and threw it so high that the eye could scarcely follow it. Now, little mite of a man, do that. Well thrown, said the tailor. But after all, the stone came down to earth again. I will throw you one which shall never come back at all. And he put his hand into his pocket, took out the bird, and threw it into the air. The bird, delighted with its liberty, rose, flew away, and did not come back. How does that shot please you, comrade? asked the tailor. You can certainly throw, said the giant, but now we will see if you are able to carry anything properly. He took the little tailor to a mighty oak tree which lay there felled on the ground and said, If you are strong enough, help me to carry the tree out of the forest. Readily, answered the little man. Take you the trunk on your shoulders and I will raise up the branches and twigs. After all, they are the heaviest. The giant took the trunk on his shoulder, but the tailor seated himself on a branch, and the giant, who could not look around, had to carry away the whole tree and the little tailor into the bargain. He behind, the tailor, was quite merry and happy, and whistled a song, Three Tailors Rode Forth from the Gate, as if carrying the tree were child's play. The giant, after he had dragged the heavy burden part of the way, could go no further, and cried, Now I shall have to let the tree fall! The tailor sprang nimbly down, seized the tree with both arms as if he had been carrying it, and said to the giant, You are such a great fellow, and yet cannot even carry the tree. The giant said, If you are such a brave fellow, come with me into our cave and spend the night with us. The little tailor was willing and followed him. When they went into the cave, other giants were sitting there by the fire, and each of them had a roasted sheep in his hand and was eating it. The little tailor looked around and thought, It is much more spacious here than in my workshop. The giant so showed him a bed and said he was to lie down in it and sleep. The bed, however, was too big for the little tailor, so he did not lie down in it, but crept into a corner. When it was midnight and the giant thought that the little tailor was lying in a sound sleep, he got up, took a great iron bar, cut through the bed with one blow, and thought he had finished off the grasshopper of a man for good. With the earliest dawn, the giants went into the forest and had quite forgotten the little tailor, when all at once he walked up to them quite merrily and boldly. 
The giants were terrified. They were afraid that he would strike them all dead and ran away in a great hurry. The little tailor went onward, always following his own pointed nose. After he had walked for a long time, he came to the courtyard of a royal palace, and as he felt weary, he lay down on the grass and fell asleep. Whilst he lay there, the people came and inspected him on all sides. They read on his belt, seven dead with one stroke. Ah, said they, what does the great warrior want here in the midst of peace? He must be a mighty lord. Soon the tailor was brought before the king, who had a request to make of him. In the forest roams a magical horse with one horn, a unicorn, which does great harm attacking people all around. If you can rid me of this unicorn, you shall have the hand of my daughter in marriage and half my kingdom. The tailor thought to himself, It is not every day that I receive an offer such as that. And he replied, I do not fear one unicorn. Seven at one blow is my kind of affair. He took a rope and an axe with him, went forth into the forest. The unicorn soon came towards him and rushed directly on the tailor, as if it would gore him with its horn without more ado. Softly, softly, it can't be done as quickly as that, said he, and stood still and waited until the animal was quite close, and then sprang nimbly behind the tree. The unicorn ran against the tree with all its strength, and stuck its horn so fast in the trunk that it had not the strength enough to draw it out again, and thus it was caught. Now I have caught it, said the tailor, and came out from behind the tree and put the rope around its neck. And then with his axe he hewed the horn out of the tree, and when all was ready, he led the beast away and took it to the king. But the king was sorry that he had promised his daughter to the little man, and made another demand. Before the wedding, the tailor was to catch him a wild boar that made great havoc in the forest. And so the tailor went into the forest where the boar was roaming. When the boar saw the tailor, it ran on him with foaming mouth and sharp tusks, and was about to throw him to the ground. But the hero fled and sprang into a chapel which was near, and up to the window at once, and in one bound, out again. The boar ran after him, but the tailor ran around outside and shut the door behind it. The raging beast, which was much too heavy and awkward to leap out of the window, was caught. The hero went to the king, who was now, whether he liked it or not, obliged to keep his promise, and gave his daughter and the half of his kingdom. The wedding was held with great magnificence and small joy, and out of a tailor a king was made. After some time, the young queen heard her husband say in his dreams at night, Boy, make me the jacket and patch the trousers. The next morning complained of her wrongs to her father and begged him to help her get rid of her husband, who was nothing else but a tailor. The king comforted her and said, Leave your bedroom door open this night, and my servants shall stand outside, and when he has fallen asleep, shall go in, bind him, and take him on board the ship which shall carry him into the wide world. The woman was satisfied with this, but the king's armor-bearer, who had heard all, was friendly with the young lord and informed him of the whole plot. "'I'll put a screw into that business,' said the little tailor. At night he went to bed with his wife at the usual time, and when she thought that he had fallen asleep, she got up, opened the door, and then lay down again. The little tailor, who was only pretending to be asleep, began to cry out in a clear voice. Boy, make me the jacket and patch the trousers. I killed seven at one blow. I killed two giants. I brought away one unicorn and cut a wild boar. And am I to fear those who are standing outside the room? When these men heard the tailor speaking thus, they were overcome by a great fear, and ran as if the wild huntsmen were behind them. 
and none of them would venture anything further against him. So the little tailor remained a king to the end of his life. Well, <laughs> killing seven flies as a common tailor and ascending the throne later on? What do you think of that? That would definitely make the news these days. I don't know about the tailor, though. I think he was really, really overconfident. Like, he would just walk around, yeah, I killed seven with one blow, but he was practically lying. He was like, no, I killed seven. And they were like, oh, seven men. And he was like, I killed seven. He didn't say I killed seven flies. Ladies and gentlemen, excuse you. Anyway, sorry. Um, what else did we have? To <gasps> okay, who is ready for Pachinko? <laughs> guys, 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 please, please. We're actually using the paper book. I got it for my birthday or for Christmas and I haven't used it to record yet, I think. So, here we are. This jingle, it's a bit of a long one, but... I mean, I've done 33 minute episodes, so... Who cares? And it's the first one in a long time, since the summer, okay? So, we're doing... I mean, it's not that long, okay? It looks long. It looks long, but it's not. Okay, so this one is called The Very Merry Voyage of the Macaroni Man. The figure here before you is a macaroni man, which is built, as you may notice, on a most ingenious plan. His skeleton, I beg to state, is made of hairpins three, which are bent and curved and twisted to a marvelous degree. His coat sleeves and his trouser legs, his head and eke his waist, are made of superfine imported macaroni paste, and if you care to listen, you may hear the thrilling tale of the merry macaroni man's extraordinary sail. One sunny day he started for a voyage in his yacht. His anxious mother called to him and said, You'd better not! Although the sun is shining bright, I fear that it may rain. And don't you think, my darling boy, you'd better take the train? Oh no, said he, no clouds I see, the sky is blue and clear. I will return in time for tea, goodbye my mother dear. Full merrily he started off, the day was fine and fair, and to his great delight he found no dampness in the air. You know if he gets wet, a macaroni man is spoiled, and if he stands too near the steam, of course he may get boiled. But our hero used precautions, carefully he shunned the spray, and when the steam blew toward him, he just steered the other way. Now as the breeze was from the land, and his course lay out to sea, he sailed so far that he felt sure he would be late for tea. He sailed and sailed and sailed and sailed. He feared the dew would fall. He tried to turn, but oh, that steam, it would not do at all. A single puff blew toward him, and it nearly cooked his face. The mournful macaroni man felt sadly out of place. But a happy thought occurred to him. Ha ha, ho ho, said he. I'll just sail on around the world, and then it seems to me. I'll reach my home, according to a careful estimate. In time for tea, although I'll be perhaps a trifle late. Then merrily his gallant ship sped o'er the bounding main. Quickly he crossed the ocean wide. He flew by France and Spain, covered the Mediterranean, spanned the Suez Canal. I'll reach my home tonight, he thought. Oh yes, I'm sure I shall. 
He skimmed the Red Sea like a bird the Indian Ocean crossed, but once in Oceanica he feared that he was lost. He passed Australia on the fly, cut over Capricorn, and as the sunset gun he heard, he swung around Cape Horn. Still at full speed, he sailed due north, he rounded Cape St. Roque, crossed the equator and found out the Gulf Stream was no joke. He coasted by the seaboard states, hurrah, all danger passed. Quickly he sailed the last few miles and reached his home at last. His mother welcomed him and said, I'm glad there was no shower, but hurry in, my bonny boy, I've waited tea an hour. Okay. I know Phileas Fogg is just a story, but he did it in 80 days. He went around the world in 80 days. How is this macaroni man doing it in, what, like three hours? With, like, you look at the drawings and it's like a, like a rowboat. I, I, it was funny, right? I liked it. <laughs> All right. So that's all for today's episode. Thank you for being so patient and thanks to my listener who wrote in reminding me that I have actual listeners. Make sure you read a lot this week. It's important to sharpen your mind. I'll see you next week. Big thanks to Epidemic Sound for the songs and sound we heard today and to Project Gutenberg for today's story. We'll see you hopefully next week, people. And until I get new requests, I've got I found a few short stories to keep reading. And, of course, jingles! Remember last time I said I'm having trouble not saying the songs and sound we heard today? Remember that? Because I used to, because we didn't have the jingle sound, I only said the songs. Well, I finally got to say it again. Thank you so much, listener. Well, two listeners, really, for suggesting that jingles make a comeback.